I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. We are far enough into the year right now. I mean, I asked you at the beginning of the year, how many of you had set your New Year's resolutions? At this point, we're at the point where you're either doing amazing and you're able to sit and go, man, I am a person of great willpower. I am a person of discipline. Or you're able to be like the rest of us and just realize it just fell off the map. And you're already getting ready for what you're going to say next January. But, but here, here's the thing. Most of you, I would be willing to bet, did not make certain types of resolutions. Like, I would guarantee there's none of you that started this year, and when you made your resolution, you said, this is the year I'm going to add 25 to 50 pounds to my weight. Like, I'm just really going to see how sick and unhealthy I can get. Or, or, or how about this? This is the year that I learned to really mess up my finances. Like, like maybe I'll even develop a gambling addiction. That, that's what I'm going to put down for my resolution. Or how about this? How many of you decided this is the year I'm going to blow up my marriage? I, I'm going to really develop that secret sin. And I'm going I'm to let things just fester so that when it comes out, everything falls apart for me. None of you had those resolutions going into the year? Well, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. But, but here's the truth. Whether we make those resolutions or not, many of us find ourselves pulled towards things that ultimately are damaging for us. We feel ourselves pulled towards things that are taking away from the best that God has for our lives. Last week, we introduced the concept of sin. We, we saw how Adam and Eve brought the, the curse of sin into our lives. And so today we're going we're gonna to see how that has moved and how that has morphed through the years and how it continued down the line. I, I thought it was kind of fitting as we are now beginning, getting ready to celebrate the two-year anniversary of the 14 days to slow the spread that in honor of that, I'm calling today's message, Slowing the Spread. Because I believe God wanted to see sin slowed. I believe that it hurt his heart when sin entered into the world. And he began to see how our inclinations moved towards that direction. And today we're going to look at a very famous story, the story of Noah and the flood. And recognize that in there, there is a message that God is a, he's a holy judge. But he's also a gracious redeemer. In that there is hope for us as we walk through this life. There's hope for us as we lean into his plan and his purposes for us. And so, I'm going to go ahead and pick up the story as we see God deciding, I'm going to start over. I'm going to take this message and I'm going to proclaim to Noah. I have a different plan for where the rest of humanity is going. 
And so if you wouldn't mind standing with me for the reading of God's word, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 6, and I'll be reading verses 5 to 8 to start. Genesis 6, 5 through 8, and this is how it reads out of the New Living Translation. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and every bird of the sky. I am sorry I made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be in this place. We thank you for your word. We thank you for preserving these stories, for these examples of your goodness. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak in this place, that you would prepare our hearts to receive, you would give me the wisdom to present it, and that if necessary, you would work outside of me so that every person here and every person who's joining us online could know that they have met with the living God. We thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before you see it, why don't you wave to a person or two. Let them know how excited you are to be worshiping with them. For our Facebook family, why don't you pop on there let us know where you're worshiping at. So, when we look at this story, it's a pretty famous story, right? Like, all of us have heard of Noah and the flood. And, and I might be a little bit weird, but I, I kind of have some problems with how many nurseries around the country have Noah and the flood painted on their walls, like, it, there's just something wrong about, I mean, yeah, the animals are cute, yeah, the, all, but shouldn't they have, like, hands, like, clawing at the ark, trying to get it? I mean, it's, just, it, it's a morbid picture, and, and there's a lot of people who have problems with this story, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, but what I hope we get from this today, as we're, we're journeying through the book of Genesis, is that you would see God is gracious, that yes, this was an act that had some pretty profound consequences, but it speaks to God's goodness too. So the first thing that I want us to see here this morning is that in the beginning was grace. In the beginning was grace. That as, as crazy as this story sounds, and as weird as it is that God would choose to flood the earth, there was still evidence of God's grace all the way from the beginning. I want to reread one of the verses and then add the next verse on. Genesis 6, 8 through 9. But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Now see, sometimes we like to look at this story and think 
The reason why God spared Noah was because he was so righteous. Like, we read the second verse and go, look, Noah was just this superhuman person living in a time of evil, and everything was going crazy, but, but here was Noah, he was so good that God decided to spare him. But look at the sequence. It says, first, Noah found favor with the Lord. Then he became a righteous man. That word favor is the Old Testament word for grace. It's the Old Testament concept of unearned, unmerited favor. So in other words, when it says Noah found favor with the Lord, it wasn't because of anything that Noah had done. It was unearned, which hopefully makes it feel a little bit better for you because I don't know about you, but I don't feel like a superhuman person of faith all the time. I get a few things wrong. I mess up a lot. And I'm so thankful that God's grace is still on my life, that I still have favor from him. And so we need to recognize that God's grace was right there, right there at the beginning of this story. God's grace was there. And even farther back, that one of the reasons why I believe Noah found favor with the Lord was because God had a plan and God was extending his favor even before Noah. I don't know if you realize this, but when we read the first couple of incidences of God pouring out and specifically Genesis chapter 5, we see this line of righteousness being developed. It's not all that exciting, right? It's one of those things kind of like reading a phone book. There's a bunch of names and a bunch of numbers. A bunch of names and a bunch of numbers. But if you're not careful and if you don't put those names and numbers together, you can miss the beauty of what God was doing there in the beginning. So you're welcome. I did that for you. So, so here is the list of the generations from Noah to Adam. One thing I want to point out to you, it's interesting. Noah was the first descendant from this line to be born after Adam died. That means all the other generations technically had access to Adam. If they wanted to hear the story of God's creation, they could go to, go to Adam. They could go directly to the source. All of them had the ability to go through the generations of God's faithfulness and see the story. All of them could go back to the promise that God had made to Adam and to Eve that a redeemer would come through their line. They, they all had access to him. Not only that, in the middle there, you see a, kind of an anomaly. Most of these guys are living to close to 900 years, right? Which just seems weird other than the fact we recognize God was doing something unique during that time. The world was unique before the flood. It's not like it is today. There was all sorts of things that were happening that was causing longer lifespans for humanity. But then there's this guy named Enoch, and he only lived 365 years. I mean, what happened to him? Did he catch a cold? Did, did he, you know, did something stunted his growth? No. We, we read in the story that he also found favor with God and that he walked with God. That he actually walked so closely with God that God took him up to be in heaven 
without ever tasting death. He's one of only two people in the Bible that we hear about that never died. Elijah was the other one. And, and so here we have this guy. I mean, can, can you imagine? I mean, I, I like to think of it like this. What if Enoch spent so much time talking to his great, 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 great grandfather, Adam, about the time he used to walk with God, about what it was like to be in the garden in uninterrupted fellowship, that it, it burned a hunger in him, that God's favor fell on Enoch, and he's like, I've, I've got to get closer to this God. And so Enoch was a testimony. He was favor given to that generation to them, for them to see there's a way that's different than all of the wickedness that's going on. Because that's what was happening. You, you have this godly line that God is trying to preserve, but on the other side of it, there, there is chaos, and there is evil, and there is destruction. Jude, who was Jesus' little brother, he writes about Enoch, and he says that Enoch actually preached to that generation, that, that there's a prophecy that's preserved from Enoch that says the Lord is coming with countless angels and he's going to judge the entire earth and he's going to look at your works and he's going to judge you according to your works. And so Enoch was there providing grace right there in the beginning to say there's a way. He has made a way for you to turn and to walk with him. And his testimony was so powerful, God took him up. So, so right there, there is evidence of God's grace being there in the beginning. Mark, I, I didn't pay him to talk about uh, this, this story this morning of me sharing with this college student on Thursday. But we had an amazing conversation, and I invited him back. He, he didn't come today, uh, but I invited him back. I said, we're going to talk about Noah. And he's like, yeah, that's one of the problems I have. I don't really like that story. I'm like, okay, tell me more. And he said, well, I just don't like the fact, like, you've got children, right? And I was like, well, absolutely I do. And he's like, what would it take for you to get to the point where you're going to flood half of your children? That, that you're just going to destroy all of, the, all of this thing that is a part of your heart and a part of your lineage. And I said, yeah, that, that's kind of hard. I understand. But I said, let me ask you this. Let's, let's imagine you have a child, or, or look at my children, or, or I'll, I'll put the thing at you. Let's think of it this way. Let's think you have a few children. But one of them consistently is trying to take out the others. One of them is constantly breathing threats against your other child. That they're constantly trying to do harm. The last time you saw them together, the one was throwing knives at the other one. And then all of a sudden you realize they've ordered some gun and ammo magazines and they're reading up on shooting. Like, all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait. As much as I love both of my children, grace is not allowing that one to go unchecked. If this one is bent on destroying my other child, I have to do something to stop that. And as we saw through this story if, you read, if you've been a good student and you've been reading Genesis with us, there, there was all of this terrible stuff going on that they were reveling in their wickedness. And if God left it unchecked, the godly line that he was trying to preserve could have been completely destroyed. 
There, there was murders and threats and imprisonment and just all sorts of vileness. And God said, I can't let that go unpunished. I can't let that go or else I'm not giving grace to them or to the godly lion I'm preserving. And so that's why it's there. And it's amazing. When you look at this, around the world, we have stories about the flood. It's not just here in the Bible. There, there are cultures all over the world that talk about a worldwide flood. One, one guy I like to go to when I'm looking at Genesis is a, is a guy by the name of Ken Ham. He's done a lot of research into looking at how, how do we look at the Bible and, and interpret the world around us based on what we're seeing. Because he believes there's good science to prove that the things that we read in the book of Genesis actually happened. And, and this is one of his quotes about these flood stories. He said, flood legends are an excellent confirmation of what we expect to find in a biblical worldview. Consider the converse. In an evolutionary story with millions of years where there was supposedly no global flood, there shouldn't be any global flood stories. Why would anyone have a massive global flood account, account in, their, in their history? He's basically saying, if we evolved over millions of years, if it took millions of years for us to come to the society we are at, there shouldn't, and there was never a global flood. There was never something that wiped out all of humanity the way that the biblical narrative says it does. There should be no history. People would be uninterested in that because they wouldn't have context. Yet all around the world, this story endures. So we see there was grace in the, in the beginning. God was pouring out his grace and, and he gave a witness to that early generation, giving them a way to be right. The other thing that I see is that there was grace in the middle. In the middle was grace. There was, in the beginning, there was grace. In the middle, there was grace. That God not only was pouring out his grace beforehand, but when, when he prepared that boat, that was grace as well. As Noah was putting together the things, that was grace. He, he said to Noah, I'm doing this so that people can see I'm being gracious. Look at verses 17 through 19 of chapter 6. It says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living creature that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. So he's saying, I have this plan, and it's going to be evident. The people around you are going to see what you're doing, and it's going to be a testimony. I think any of them who would have decided to turn and to trust in the Lord during that time might have made it on the boat. Don't really have proof for that. But, but we do have proof that Noah was trying to persuade people. Even in the act of building the ark, he was trying to persuade people. The apostle Peter wrote this in one of his letters. He said, And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. God, or Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world 
of ungodly people with a vast flood. So right there, you're seeing Noah was actually going out and preaching. He was saying, there's a flood coming. God is going to judge you. Get your life right. But obviously, nobody listened to him. And so God said, I'm not going to contend any longer. It's interesting. Last week, I brought up the whole idea of spirit. And in the beginning of verse of, of chapter 6, he's saying, my spirit will no longer contend with men. You realize that when we, when we are sinning, we're actually contending against the spirit of God. When we're resisting his call to turn, we're contending against the spirit of God. It actually says it hurts his heart. And so, he puts them in the boat. And he shuts it up. And he causes the waters to rise. And, and you know the story. The rain came down and the floods came up, right? You know, we, we know the story. But as they were on the boat, it says, God remembered Noah. And then he sent the Spirit to blow over the waters and to cause them to recede. And then we read this, that there was still grace being poured out. Remember, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how we are made in the image of God. And that it's not that we look like God, but that we've been given divine ability to have control over the world, to have a stewardship of the things that God has created. And God continues that forward in, in Genesis 9, verses 1 and 2. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. All the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all of the small animals that scurry along the ground, all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. Right there, God is saying, I'm continuing to put my image on you. I'm continuing to put you over creation. I haven't changed my original plan. Yes, I had to do this to slow the spread of sin. But I'm still committed to having image bearers fill the earth so that the world will be governed and cultivated and developed by people who are following the image of God. And then he says this, I'm going to give you a sign of my covenant with you and all living creatures. For all generations to come, I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send the clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will floodwaters destroy all life. So here, God is saying, I'm going to put this sign in the heavens of my covenant. This, this, is the, this conversation with Noah is the first time the word covenant comes up in the Bible. Covenant is an agreement between two people. But in Noah's covenant, there was nothing required of us. He's just simply saying, I'm going to give you this sign that I'm going to keep my end of the covenant, that I will never again flood the earth. Maybe it's time we reclaim the sign and remember the reason why it was given 
was so that we could be a people who recognize God is a gracious God. That we recognize one day he will destroy the earth again, but it will be with fire. And that we need to be ready. Which is my last point. Grace is here and now. In the beginning was grace, in the middle was grace. But grace is here and now. I mean, it's a, again, a crazy story. But why is it there? What are we supposed to learn from the story of Noah? I believe there's so many things. And I also believe that the biblical writers believed this was a real event. This really happened. As I shared last week, most of these weird stories Jesus confirmed actually happened. And in Luke 17, Jesus gives us a reason why this story is there, why we preserve this through the generations. He says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time of Noah entering in his boat. And the floods came and destroyed them all. Now, I've heard this passage misused so many times. Basically, it's saying, I've, I've heard people say that well, what this tells us is when it's time for Jesus to come back, it's going to be just as wicked as Noah's time. There's going to be debauchery. There's going to be murders. There's going to be wars. There's going to be all this crazy stuff going on. And I believe that's true. But why was Jesus saying this particular thing? What, what was the point? The point is, in Noah's generation, they had been given a witness, and they ignored it. And they missed the boat. Literally. <laughs> And Jesus is saying, I'm coming back. And it's going to be just like those days. Warnings are going to go out. People are going to preach and prophesy. But there's going to be people who miss it. So, the simple application I think I have for us this morning, don't miss the boat. Don't miss the boat. God is preparing a rescue plan for humanity. He sent his son to die for us. He sent his son to help us so that we don't have to figure this out on our own. Because as we've already recognized, we mess it up when we're on our own. But his favor, his grace has been poured out through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. By Jesus dying. And rising three days later, he showed that he has power over death. He has power over sin. And he's opened the door to a figurative boat, to, to a way of escape. And if we will just choose to trust him and enter in, we will be saved from the coming destruction. And as much as I pray for that for all of you, I pray that if there's any of you who haven't accepted Jesus yet, that you would make that decision today. In, in a little bit, I'm going to give you that opportunity, whether you're here in person or whether you're, you're watching us online, I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord. But I also want to challenge you who have already made that decision. 
that you wouldn't enter the boat alone. That you would be like a Noah to this generation. Preaching and proclaiming and letting people know God is gracious. He loves you. There's a way for you to escape the pain and the suffering that you are causing or that sin is causing in your life. We have a mighty Savior who cares about us now and who cares about us in eternity. And if you will trust him, I I would love to see our church raise up Noah's, raise up Enoch's, raise up men and women who will go out and let people know we have a gracious God. I don't want you to miss that boat either. When we read the story, Noah only got to preserve one thing. Well, besides the animals. But they, they weren't really his. He got to preserve his family. He got to preserve the people that come along. When you get to heaven, you'll only get to preserve one thing. It won't be your car. It won't be your 401k. It won't be your home. It'll be the people you invite to come along with you. Let's be a people dedicated to that. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I just said. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And we're going we're gonna to sing another song. We're going to spend some more time in worship. But if you're here, or you're watching us online, and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, this would be a great day to do it. And so I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. As a matter of fact, I, I invite all of us to begin praying. Whether you know Christ or not, that If you know Christ, begin praying for those who might be receiving this message. But if you're wanting to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd encourage you to pray a simple prayer. You don't have to use my words, but you can. You don't have to say this out loud, but you can. But I would pray that you would pray something simple like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. I'm sorry for contending against your spirit. I'm sorry for my mistakes, for the hurt that I've caused to others for the hurt that I've caused to you. Today, I choose to turn away from that life. And I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me so that I can live a life that follows Jesus. God, I thank you for this new life. Today, you have all of mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, come let one of us know. We're going to have some prayer team members showing up in the different corners of the church here. You can reach out to one of them and let them know you've made that decision. We want to make sure you have the resources you need 
to follow Jesus more closely. If you're online, please reach out to us. Send us a Facebook message. Let us know. We want to make sure you have everything you need because we want to make sure you're on the boat and we want to make sure you're strengthened so that you can bring more people with you. And so if that's your desire, if you're someone who wants to see more of God poured out, I want to invite you just to go ahead and stand. We're going to sing one more song talking about God's faithfulness, the dreams God has for us. And, and one more time, I want to give the invitation. If you need prayer for anything, it doesn't have to be that you prayed that prayer of salvation, but this would be a good time to do it. Come forward and let one of our prayer team members know. But if you need prayer for anything, come find one of these men or women. Let them pray with you. We're believing for great things. We've been seeing great things happen at this altar. Don't leave without knowing you're right with God. Don't leave without a sense of God's presence in your life. Let's be a people who expect it because we've seen the faithfulness of God from the beginning. We know the faithfulness of God is here and now and we're going to extend it to future generations. Let me bless you and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. Jesus, today I pray that you would bless us and you would protect us. I pray that you would be gracious toward us and smile upon us. And I pray that every day we would walk in your favor and in your peace. As we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Hope to see you again next Sunday.